I'm Mark Richardson, and welcome to Remodeling Mastery. Remodeling Mastery is a podcast series that is designed to help you take your business to the next level. What I try to do is take different topics that I think are especially relevant to really help you think about what you're doing, not just do what you're doing. Over the last year or so, I've been focusing very much on sales. And I've been focusing very much on sales thinking, sales mindset, sales attitude, and certainly sales skills and techniques. Today, I want to get into a topic that I think really kind of melds together many of the things that I've been talking about, but it's a little bit more tangible and it really relates to the time. This podcast series is supported with all of my friends in the remodeling industry and media, as well as many of the strategic alliances and technologies that help you take your business to the next level. As you've certainly heard from me in recent podcasts, I really believe that 2024 is a year of uncertainty. Now, for many of you that hear that word uncertainty, it sounds a little bit scary or a little bit pessimistic or a little bit negative, but it's really not. Uncertainty is just uncertainty. It just is a little bit unpredictable and therefore unpredictable needs an adjustment in your thinking and your processes. So for example, when it comes to other elements in our life, If it's unpredictable in terms of the weather and it may rain where you're going, well, maybe you want to bring an umbrella. If, on the other hand, for example, that traffic or the conditions in traffic may be difficult and there might be a traffic jam somewhere, maybe you leave a little bit earlier or you go and find a different route to get to where you need to get. You know, similarly, if You're walking a dog, for example, and your dog is in normal times just used to running off leash. Well, if you know, for example, that it may be more problematic in that there might be other dogs or there might be a chance that the dog would run off, you're going to maybe put the dog on the leash. Now, I don't mean to be overly simplistic about this, but it's important to really have the right mindset when you think about uncertainty. Again, it's not necessarily negative. It's not necessarily positive. It just is. So another way to think about this is in uncertain times, we're not really sure what's going to happen in terms of lead flow. You know, is the phone going to be ringing heavily or not? One thing that we have experienced over the last three to six months is a certain level of inconsistency in terms of lead flow, a certain level of inconsistency month to month in terms of sales or new projects or new clients coming on board. So I would suggest it's much better to be prepared for that level of uncertainty. So a good way to be prepared for that level of uncertainty that I really want to be focusing on more deeply today is your close rate, is your conversion rate. And that's the conversion rate to the lead or the in-home visit into a client or a project. Many of you don't know your existing close rate, so you might want to go back, and I encourage going back on a trailing 12 and look at what that conversion rate is. Now, it varies depending on the type of project you do, depending on your client, the type of lead that you get. 
uh, depending even on whether you're in specialty remodeling or whether you're in full service remodeling. But on average, when you throw it all in a pot together, you are batting, or most are batting, are about 20%. 20% meaning you have five probably qualified leads, and of those five, one becomes a client or a construction project. That would be 20%. Now, to put that more in terms of the level of importance as it relates to uncertainty, imagine you're playing baseball for the minute, and your batting average, the average batting average, is about 250. At 250, you're probably okay. You're, you're on the team. You may be occasional starter. You may be a starter, but you're probably just doing fine. If that batting average drops in whatever uncertain kind of times that they're in, drops down to 200, just literally 50 points down, you're either benched or you're cut off the team. If, on the other hand, the batting average goes from 250 to 300, you're either on the all-star or you're certainly, if you're in major league, you're being paid a lot more money. Now, what's important, I think, in this analogy is really comparing 200 to 300. The difference between 200 and 300 is 1 out of 10. 1 out of 10. So as you think about conversion rates, if you can just get 1 more out of 10, if of 10 really qualified prospects, rather than just getting two, you can get three out of 10, what you're doing at that point is you are increasing your business, increasing your sales, increasing your income, if you're involved in sales, by 50%. And more, most importantly, I would say what you're doing is you're really buying some insurance in this environment that is a little bit more tricky and a little bit more uncertain. So what I want to do is I want to take a few minutes here and give you 10 tips, advice, kind of ways of thinking about how do I go about increasing, increasing my present close rate. Now, some of you listening to this are already doing some of these things, but I will promise, I will guarantee you, if you can be somewhat religious and you can really get into the habits of doing all 10 of these or most of these 10, you're going to see that close rate go up at least by 1 in 10. And all the fruits that come from that will be there. Okay, so going down my Letterman top 10, number one on my list is go deeper, not just wider, with clients. You know, this is an environment today that we've come out of COVID and it's extremely human, but also very, very personal. And I think when you think about that, the client is so busy and, and, and so stressed and you need to go deeper with those relationships. So what does that mean? That conversation on the phone up front needs to be longer. It needs to be deeper. That meeting in the home, it needs to be not only focused on the project, but focus more on the client and the relationship. You need to really, really go deeper. And if you quantify it, if the average in-home visit is taking you an hour, figure out a way to have that drift to be an hour and 20 minutes, hour and 30 minutes. If you can just go deeper with every single one of the leads that really are worthy of your advice and time, you're going to find that's going to help tip 
occasionally more of those folks into the yes column rather than the maybe or the no column. Number two on my top 10 list is be faster. Speed sells. You know, my friend, Tanya Donahue, talks about this sometimes too. She said, time kills deals. So if you really think about time and you think about it in in respect to, to speed, if you can just turn it up a notch and do things faster, then you will have a higher likelihood of closing more clients. So what do I mean? If a client is calling in or texting or or uh, communicating in uh, uh, today, try to respond back the same day. Try to have a meaningful call the same day. If you do, you set up your in-home visits in seven to 10 days, try to move it down to five days. If you're following up with a proposal with a client in a week or two, make it three to five days. Try to do everything faster. By doing everything faster, you will keep the project, keep the attention of the client, and it's higher likelihood that they'll proceed with you than not proceed with you. Now, in this theme of speed, this is not about being desperate. This is about having a sense of urgency, showing the client that they are a priority and that you're going to really move it up the list. And you're going to get, again, One more or more out of 10 if, in fact, you can make speed and going faster a priority. Number three on my list was exceeding expectation. Now, this is just a general philosophy and general theme that has so many legs to it. You know, the people that I trust the most in my life always exceed my expectation. And I use the word trust very specifically You want your prospects to trust you. They're going to buy from people they trust. If you always exceed the expectations, then you will find, for example, that they will want to work with you. So for example, what does that mean? I'm going to show up on time every time, maybe a minute or two early. I'm always exceeding that expectation. I'm never going to be late. I'm also, when I'm meeting with a client, you know, I'm talking about the project, but I'm also exceeding their expectation in terms of my advice. I might, for example, if they call me out on looking at a kitchen remodel, I might also point out when I walked up the driveway, I noticed some drainage problems that they might want to just put on their list in terms of long-term renovation. Or I might go down, for example, and take a look at the electric box and point out certain things as it relates to the electric service or certainly the safety in their home. These are all things that exceed the expectation. If, for example, you say you're going to get back to the client by Thursday with some information or insights or concepts, try to get back to them by Wednesday exceeding the expectation. Once they start to see a pattern with you or your sales team exceeding the expectation, they're going to be more likely to proceed with you. Matter of fact, you're going to start to hear, why did I proceed with you? Because you always exceed my expectation and all the other remodelers that are talking to me never do. Number four on my list, which sounds a little bit counterintuitive to increasing your close rate, is you've got to focus on the right client. 
You've got to bring the right client into your business and you got to say no to the wrong client. Now, the reason I say this is a little counterintuitive or against kind of your thinking is you might think, well, if I flush out some of the wrong clients, then all of a sudden I got to get more right clients. This is true. However, guess what? You're going to have a gift of a lot more time to focus on creating the right clients, but also getting out there and harvesting the right clients that are out there. Because if you can say no to the wrong clients, and in our podcast, we've talked about a 10 client checklist that you can go down through is, are they the right client? Uh, You're going to be able to flush those through, but you are the gatekeeper. You have got to only allow the right clients uh, to get into the gate. And it is something that you can improve upon and you can pick out the clients that are most, most likely to be successful for you. Number five on my list is that you need to sell down. Now, selling down for many people is a dirty word. It's not a dirty word. It's about getting one more out of 10. If I can go into with a prospect and show them ways that they can save money, show them specifications that are less expensive than others, for example, like a Kohler toilet, that they like the $1,500 toilet, but one that looks almost identical and only costs $800 and essentially functions the same way. All of a sudden, I think from a perception and a client's point of view, what I'm going to perceive at that point uh, is that you're there to protect my investment, protect my budget, and ultimately help me buy, not try to sell me something. A great example of this that I've certainly talked about in other podcasts that's so important is when you go to a restaurant, I always, always ask the server, what would you recommend? Now, I may have my eye set on a particular fish or particular meat. However, I always ask the server in a nice restaurant, what do they recommend? If, in fact, they immediately gravitate and point me to the most expensive things on the menu, which happens, unfortunately, at least about half of the time, then I don't trust them anymore. Regardless how knowledgeable they are, how savvy they are, how smooth, how much levity and humor they have, I don't trust them anymore. Now, you don't like to have a server that you don't trust. So therefore, what I usually generally do is ask that question, and then I make a determination on whether it's not. So if you use these little tests and understand, but those that sell down, those that point out the entree that's a little bit less expensive and maybe quite filling or a particular dish might be good for two rather than for one, I think that would be quite appropriate. Number six on my list is don't corrupt your sales process. Now, most more established remodeling companies, they have a sales process. Sometimes it's a seven step. Sometimes it's a nine step. Sometimes 11 step. It doesn't matter how many steps, but a sales process is, co- is sort of like a recipe, It's kind of like if you're baking cookies. You start with the certain things, move on, and the master, master baker always follows the process. And guess what? They get the right outcome at the end. Why? Because they don't corrupt their process. Very similarly in remodeling, if you have a process 
that begins by, you know, a world-class initial call and moves all the way through into the close and the follow-up, don't skip any steps in your process. What I find is when we get a little bit desperate, we oftentimes either get lazy or we want to skip steps in our process. For example, if you have a sales presentation deck, you know, always, always be presenting it. Now, you might increase or decrease the speed or cadence that you present it, but always present it. Why? Because it builds value in the relationships, value in working with you, value in your price. So therefore, don't skip steps in the process. And if you do skip steps in the process, you might wonder, for example, why you didn't get the particular client and it's probably because they didn't see the value necessarily in working with you versus someone else. Okay, number seven on my list is follow-up. Now, what's interesting about this particular step, and it's the ninth step in my nine-step sales process, is that it's probably the easiest of all the steps. You know, you don't need special remodeling or design or construction knowledge to do follow-up. You know, it's much, much more about just having the habit to do it every single time with every single prospect. What's interesting is when you think about your prospects that you're going out to, if you go out to 10 prospects, you know, in the traditional way of a 20% close rate, of those 10, you're going to close two out of 10. Of those 10, you're going to also have two or three that will probably be the wrong client for you or your business. But also out of those 10, you're going to have five that probably do not do business with you, however, make potentially great referrals. Now, think about this notion for a minute. As I go back and look at many remodeling businesses, including my experiences in ours, we got more referrals from people we never did business with. Wow. Think about that. You know, all those prospects that do not do business with you, they still have an impression. They still have a memory about you. And in many cases, if you've done a really good job, they would have wanted to work with you. It just wasn't the right time, project, or certainly situation to do it right now. So make sure when you think about this topic, you're really treating, I think, all of your prospects with the degree of importance because they also represent, I think, referrals for you. So on number seven in my list, you need to think about following up. So what does that mean? If you go out to a prospect and out to their home, what I like you to think about is either the same day or no more than 24 hours, I think I want you to think of an excuse to follow up with that client. It could be an excuse related to something that you discussed. It could be a new idea you didn't discuss. It could be additional information about a a particular uh, loose end that you wanted to make a referral or give them a resource on. But it also could be personal. It could be that, you know, when I left your job, I went back and I was thinking and I looked through, I think, some of my early stages of my baseball uh, coaching, and I noticed that you know your neighbor was one of our one of our uh, players on our team. You know, it could be something as simple, but make it kind of interesting, make it kind of unexpected, 
And I think the more that you always, always do that follow-up within 24 hours, you're likely to keep alive. Now, follow-up doesn't start with that initial prospect and that initial client. It also continues on certainly with your past clients. You know, if you've completed a project, you know, make sure you're following up. Make sure you're giving them a connection six months, 12 months, kind of like an anniversary of their project. But also treat your past clients as past clients and not strangers. I started a technique many, many years ago for many of my team members where we would call one past client every single day. And you really think about that, that seems like such an easy thing to do, but it results over the years in literally millions of dollars of business if you can adapt those kind of behaviors and those kind of uh, uh, tactics. So what I want to do with this podcast is rather than giving you seven tips, I'm going to move on to one other little segment here, and it's 10 things that require zero talent. 10 things that require zero talent. Many years ago, my wife actually gave me an article that was written about this. And I said, wow, this is a good way to think about things. You know, when I'm coaching and teaching and certainly speaking to others, you know, if something requires zero talent, then why don't you just do it? And you're going to see some good outcomes. And in the spirit of this increasing your close rate, I think many of these overlap and certainly are relevant. So I'm going to give you these top 10. Number one is be on time. Never be late. Number two, listen. You learn a lot more when you're listening than when you're talking. Number three is having empathy. Try to look at things through the client's eyes and not through your own personal or selfish eyes. Number four, Be kind. Be kind. You know, I think if everybody's a little bit more kind, you're going to see, I think, some really positive outcomes. Number five is do a little bit more effort. If you can do one, two percent more effort in things, the likelihood that you're going to see, I think, more success is going to be much greater. Number six is your body language. Start to think about and be more conscious and intentional of your body language. You know, people are visual thinkers. A lot of it is not what you're saying. It's how you look and how your posture and how you perform, how you're leaning into a conversation as opposed to sitting back. So be conscious of your body language. Occasionally look at the mirror and say, okay, is this someone that I'm enthusiastic with and I would want to be able to work with as a client. Number seven is energy. You know, people really respond, I think, to energy. Dig a little bit deeper and have a little bit more energy. Number eight is show your passion. You know, with any prospect, you should tell them that this is the kind of project that you're passionate about. This is your sweet spot. This is where you are an authority of this kind of project. And therefore, that passion really translates into being almost contagious that the client wants to work with you. Number nine is be coachable. Be coachable. 
you know, you don't have all the answers. I don't have all the answers. But if we kind of see ourselves like a sponge and we allow ourselves to be uh, coached, I think we're going to see much, much better results. And number number 10 on my list uh, that requires zero talent is just practice. You know, I always find it interesting when it comes to remodeling owners and salespeople, we tend to practice on the clients. We don't practice on the practice field. Imagine, for example, in professional football, if all they did was show up for the game and that's where they practice. They wouldn't be in sync, in align with each other. They wouldn't have the right strength. They wouldn't be calling the right plays. Well, why don't you put more time and energy into your practice and not necessarily practice on the client? So I want to thank everybody for listening to this. And again, in concluding, if you really think about it, if you can just focus on many of these behaviors, many of these attitudes, it's going to get you one more out of 10. And regardless whether this is a uh, sunny day kind of year or a rainy day kind of year, you're going to end up with that one out of 10 hitting or exceeding what you're really targeting. So take care, everyone.